106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in well, North Bay Stacks and Jacks, I'm Tom Allen. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 22. NASDAQ Futures up 96. We're trying to get a little rally together here. And I, uh, I actually have my people positioned for a little bit of a rally here. Maybe a relief rally or maybe something that comes out of Washington that's good news for a few days. So I got people a little longer than usual. Nothing crazy, but just a little longer than usual. Do we have uh, Kevin with us? Good morning. In fact, good morning from beautiful Fort Wayne, Indiana. Well, good for you. While you're whilst you're there, as my teacher in high school used to say, have you ever gone to the Auburn Duesenberg Chord Museum? No, I have not. Now, a guy like you, a guy like you, would spend days in that place. Probably. Um, so maybe after I'm done today, maybe I'll get a little time to go over there. It's uh, I've been there twice, and uh, this uh just goes to show you just goes to show you when when things screw up and uh when you're i'm going to say your people in charge don't do the job right kevin stuff happens that you can never get back you know and i know that personally very well from pullman uh we, we you know we could use a big railroad car manufacturer here in chicago and we don't have well we have the the assembler for the CTA cars is owned by the Chinese. I don't count them. Uh, maybe I should, but I don't. Uh, Auburn is a small town in Indiana, and they all of a sudden decided to put an auto factory there. Well, the first time you go, Kevin, you just have to go and look at the cars. Uh, let's just say, if, even if you put Greg in one of those Auburns or Duesenbergers, the dude's going to get lucky. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, they even were, Greg, huh? <laughs> even Greg. <laughs> they were absolute works of art. And if you look at, well, you got to start somewhere. At least I can fit in there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Actually, you know, some of those were really bizarre. The back seat was so much wider than the front seat. In the front seat, let's just say Kevin and I would be, we'd be shoulder tapping in the front seat. I mean, it's a, the people were thinner. No doubt about that. But just if you look at the vehicles themselves. The difference between 1918 like, and 1932, dramatic adv- advances in uh, automobiles and everything. But second time you go, if you, when you, you know, you have to, you're, 
You're not just rubbernecking the cars and just you know, wide-eyed. Uh, if you look at all the stuff that's on the wall, the history of the industry, it's amazing in the in the 19 teens, in the 20s, how many manufacturers they were. I think Kevin, 35 assemblers in the state of Indiana, or 25 or something. It's all in Oh yeah, I mean it was yeah. They, the uh, Northern Indiana at Studebaker in South Bend is an example, but also uh, you know what what's the, the U.S. 12. Uh, corridor in Michigan, same thing. Um, so so much uh, manufacturing for the auto industry, whether it was parts or whether it was the cars themselves. But this is this is before there was quote an industry, where, where you and I, if if we we might have been a a uh, a coach maker for for horses, and uh, now and those people obviously could could do stuff. They didn't care what what chassis you put it on. You had all kinds of people that were. All, I do mean all kinds of people became. Coach makers for cars, for like custom cars, where they made the bodies, and you bought the front end from somebody, you bought the motor from somebody, you bought, you know, whatever the transmission. It was not not an automatic transmission, but you could buy all those parts and drop your coach on it, and, and that was your that was you you were a coach maker, and that was your brand. I mean, it was uh, there was a lot of custom car. I mean, there were all kinds of people that did that. It was absolutely fascinating when you think of all that was going around in a state where. You didn't really have much in the way of highways <laughs> to drive. I mean, how, how they even delivered stuff from one place to the other it must have been by rail. I mean, it's just a you know a fascinating thing. It's like going to the uh, Wright Patterson Museum and seeing the early years of aviation and how you know 1912 these guys barely could get something in the air, and by 1920 the things are going like you know several hundred miles an hour and 20,000 feet up or something. It's just it's incredible what people can do when when sort of turned loose. I mean, it just but I, mean, I think you'd be fascinated. Anyway, uh, it's my little well, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the uh, displays now. One of the things that they have uh, is a uh, a retrospective on the evolution of uh, American car mascots and hood ornaments. Oh yeah, I mean, well, I, I could spend I could spend two hours looking at that. Oh, yeah, Wait, but the weird part is, I think the numbers. You know, it's been so long that they did how many? Were many cars in 1929, and by 1932, it was like. 500 down to like 50 or something in Auburn's. So all of a sudden the plant closed, people kind of went back to the farms, and that was it. They just never reopened again. And you see this, you know, kind of, now you wouldn't think it was a big factory, but there's a factory building, and, and uh, you know, it's just all dead. It's like going by Pullman as a Walmart. It's hard to get this stuff back, Kevin, and that's, that's what we're trying to do here in Chicago by bringing some of the, this business back. And like we talk, you know, virtually every week about is it worth the investment? You drove, drive by all these these buildings that used to be factories. Can somebody count on the future enough to buy one of those places, put the whatever you need to get them back together? Because they all got rail, they all got you know good access to expressways. Uh, or do you need to tear, or do you just need to buy the property and tear it down well, that, and rebuild? That's, that's possible too. But I mean, if you've got but but either way, do yeah. you have the business climate right. that is going to support it? Are you worried about you know crime in your city? Are you worried about having places to live? This is one of the things that um, in in South Bend uh, they it's it's not manufacturing; it's it's technology. But they have this tech corridor, uh, corridor there where they have major data centers and some really substantial um, businesses built built around technology. Um, data analytics is is big uh, is a big part of it, um, and and that's an important field right now, and and is going to continue to be, and and so the next question they had was, well, if we're going to attract the talent for this 
um, for this sector, where are they going to live? Yeah. And and so if if I were to if you were to come over, I'd drive you you know around down there. The uh, the minor league baseball stadium is there now. That whole area around it has been developed as mixed use. So you know what the stuff up by Notre Dame, the recent development looks like. It's the same kind of developments uh, on on that in that part of the city, and it's just creating um, you know a whole uh, business climate that is going to allow that industry to thrive. But you have to have. Have to have talking about South Side. Uh, you you need enough of a of a view of the future and what you're going to do, and you have to be able to get capital where you you pay people for their money, but you can't be paying eight when other people are paying three, like in the last twenty years. Sure. And but I mean, when you say some of those buildings, they they look like they should all maybe be torn down, Kevin. But depending on what you're doing and whatever it is you're manufacturing, all of them. I won't say all of them, just about all of them, had pretty serious overhead crane capability, which is real hard to get. So, I mean, if you need that, you're better off keeping that building. And Well, and, and, you know. and just to, to expand that a little yeah. bit, the you know the first big data center that went up in South Bend was the old train station, yeah, the okay. old Union Station, which had been condemned uh, back in the 70s. Um, and the, uh, the fellow who built it out, a, a guy named Kevin Smith, um, you know, he he was in metalworking, and he he just transformed the building. They restored uh, the old waiting area, which is a, a good place for anything from a business meeting to a wedding reception. And uh, and there's some office space in there, but the all, all the whole area where the uh, train platforms were is now a, a huge data center. Across the way is the old Studebaker factory. That has now been rehabbed and turned into a combination of mixed use offices and more data space. And then just up the road um, from a neighborhood that had been torn down because it was in such bad shape is Ignition Park. And that's where even more data uh, centers are. Notre Dame's turbo, turbo machinery fact, or, uh, um, operation is there. Uh, or their turbo machinery lab, uh, you know those kinds of businesses, and it it is you know the the ignition park stuff is new, the um, this, uh, rehab of the Studebaker uh, factory and the Union Station is old, and it's a combination of the two, and it shows exactly what you're saying. Isn't there a train station there somewhere? A train still goes through there, right? The trains, uh, the, a couple of things. Um, the there is an there is an Amtrak stop. Um, but it is just a platform on the west side of town. Um, they they really could stand to build a, a small station there. Um, there's a bigger station in Elkhart, uh, you know, a real train station in Elkhart, and a lot of freight stuff goes through there. And uh, and then the South Shore runs to the airport. Well, the South Shore should run downtown, in one man's opinion. Well, it used to, uh, of course, but it doesn't anymore. I know, but that should be part of the expansion because with the stuff going on in South Bend, People might want to go there to work, not just to Chicago. Could go both ways. Oh yeah. Well, and and then um, you know, so we 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 talk about some of that. Um, the other the other reason that it's such a good place for um, you know, for data centers is where do they pull the fiber trunks along rail lines, oh, yeah. along along highways and rail lines. Um, so, uh, so being right there uh, where the where the tracks come through is just a huge advantage. What uh, what Kevin is talking about, and I think most people listen to the show because of my my thing with railroads. 
those properties, those those the term is rights of way, were all given to the railroads by the by the government when they when these things were built. And when you when you decided you wanted to build a railroad, you made application of some kind, and they would give you the property and enough property usually on both sides where you could sell it for used to build the line. So I think it's uh yeah, but I I think it's it's right along the tracks itself. I I believe that that is a more of a government entity at this point than individual railroad lines because so many different. Well, but here's, lines here's what I'm. What I'm but, but regardless of who has the rights away, you can imagine if you had to get fiber, you know, fiber trunks for the internet across the country, um, that you know, where, who, where do you want to negotiate? One property at a time, or do you want to just negotiate uh, access to the uh, um, to the rail? Well, what I, what I, where I'm going with this system. is that they, they didn't. There was no nowhere in the contract did it say, "I'm giving you this rail line." And oh, by the way, 200 years from now, maybe there aren't any railroads or whatever there is. The right of way remains the right of way. You can you can sell up to, you know, 100 yards. You, you got to keep 200 yards in the middle or 100 yards in the middle, no matter what. If, if it's two centuries, they never did that. So a lot of these rights of way. Which you could never duplicate, uh, have been sold, and and, uh, and and it became property of the railroad. But I don't know why you that they didn't. You know, maybe a railroad. It may be a bike path. It may be something. Now, in some areas, they they did buy the property. Like the uh, if you look at somebody's rails to trails things for bikes, the, the counties got together and bought the rail line up, and made made a bike path out of it, which. Of course, you could you could do fiber optic under the bike path, right, Kevin? I mean, as long as you have the right of way, you can still get there, right? Mm-hmm. So, so as long yeah. as you do those kinds of things, kind of you're okay. I got to put a kind of a head. This is a uh, when you see these older people going by the week, it seems uh, some t- some touch home. Uh, one of my favorite actors died, David McCallum, this week. Yeah, um, uh, depending on. Uh um, on your age, you might, uh, you may remember him as uh, um, uh, Donald uh, uh, Donald Mallard, aka yeah. aka Ducky on uh, NCIS, or you may remember him as Ilya Kuryakin uh, on uh, The Man from Uncle. And and there was a an NCIS episode where um, someone asked Gibbs uh, what Ducky looked like when he was young, and he said, "Well, he looked like Ilya Kuryakin." <laughs> Well, you know, the uh, two things about that. One is the reason why it hits Hope the Home on a personal level is my mother and I never missed a Man from Uncle episode. That and Star Trek were our two shows, no matter what happens. <laughs> what if she was bad at me or whatever? We watched those two together, my brother too. We were absolutely in love with the Man from Uncle. I thought that was an absolutely great show. And you know what's interesting about it is Robert Vaughn was the big actor. And that show was put together as a vehicle for Robert Vaughn. Well, within two weeks. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great, it's oh. a great intro to oh, it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it out for listeners. I'll pull it up and tweet it out for listeners. The, uh, but, but within like two or three weeks, the star became Ilya Kuryakin because, because Robert Vaughn had kind of the Beatles haircut and uh, not Robert. I mean, uh, um, the guy we're talking about. Uh, had had the uh, Beatles haircut and all that stuff going. David McCallum and everybody he became everybody's total heartthrob. You know the young ladies love the guy, and uh, and he he became the star. And I don't think Robert Vaughn was ever too happy about that, but uh, he got over it. He was in Bullet and a bunch of other stuff. Maybe he got over it. But 
Yeah, Kevin. You know when you when we look at that's that's the part. Your your girlfriend uh, AOC the other day when she talked about the difference between looking at the economy off pieces of paper and looking at it through people. You know, may, maybe maybe she's maturing a tad. You know, she might be. A lot of people a lot of people grow up in their mentality, right? Uh, I remember my mother telling me since we're talking about her uh, the first time she saw the Gone with the Wind when she was eighteen. The first thing she thought, all she thought about were the parties and the dresses. And so when she saw it when she was in her 30s, all she saw were the wounded. I mean, you, you people grow up, <laughs> and, you, and you think differently, right? Uh, maybe what, what we've just been talking about for the last 20 minutes is sort of what, even if she doesn't know it, is what AOC is, was talking about in her statement the other day that basically got her, her in trouble with the White House. Uh, what, you, you can't just look at pieces of paper and say everything's okay. You've got to look at people. And when you the decisions we're just talking about, when you say the economy, bring manufacturing back here, bring this, bring that, it's all pontification BS. It's some it's some you know pulpit. But what actually happens is, is somebody or somebody sitting there go, is there business? Can I find a niche, something that other people aren't doing? Maybe they ought to be doing for this product. By the way, these guys are making X, and to make X, you got to have these widgets, and I don't see any widget manufacturer around here providing them. It looks to me like there's some customers there. What do I need? I need a place to build them. I need people. I need machines. I need capital. I need something, something. Uh, electricity. I need all that stuff. And, uh, and all, all that has to be pulled together in our economy by individual people taking risks, making individual decisions. You have to have human capital. You have to have money capital. I, I think if you don't understand all that, you can talk away in front of the microphone all day long, and you're not helping anybody do anything, I don't think, if you don't understand what you're accomplishing. Because all these pieces have to be in one place for somebody to accomplish this, right, Kevin? Which is what Yeah, you, it's, it's called logistics. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, but I mean... It's the, the concept. It's, it's the concept of it, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's all the right stuff in the right places at the right times. And you can be, you can be torpedoed by very easily in the last 20 years by, any, by changes in you know, in, in any kind of government policy. I mean, right now, uh, I don't think our people here, uh, certainly not the people who do nothing but protest, have any idea that one of the reasons why people would come to downtown Chicago, one of the reasons why the, CP, the CBOE was here, is because you could, talk, you could look at anywhere on earth, literally, nobody had as good an infrastructure electrically as, as downtown Chicago. CBOE, the building which they don't use anymore. Don't don't get me started on that. Why <laughs> you own a building and you're paying two leases? I, I, I whatever. It's a whole different subject. But they had two totally separate power grids coming from two different places in the city. So you literally would have to take out the whole city before the place went down. And they had a generator on the roof in case it was ever a problem because when they when they shut the Chinatown place down, uh, Pilsen or whatever it was, Pilsen, uh, they 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 weren't as comfortable about that feed. But this now. I'm going to say Chicago is no longer a positive place in terms of it's probably better than California, but I don't, you know, I mean, all this stuff has to be there. You, you don't shut down your power grid and, and be pissed off because people don't make factories there. I mean, you, you can't, you, it's all, it all works together, and I don't think we have anybody around that kind of understands that. It, that's the part I, the, uh, the whole, you know, whenever there's a discussion, argument, you know, you and I and the rest of the people on the show have them, it's not because we're, arguing about principle it's because we're arguing different pieces of the whole picture 
you know, when I look at this uh, uh, refugee, or whatever you want to call these people being bussed in here situation, I understand, yes, it's a, it's a serious problem. I, I look at the fiasco places that maybe we... I, I don't think we ever gave any money to this group in Venezuela. I sure hope we didn't. But you see these places going downhill, Kevin, and it doesn't surprise me that if... if I just keep trying to put myself in somebody's... If I had a family in Venezuela, God, how the hell can I get out of here? Where can I go? I don't care where it is. I got to get out of here. I mean, it's, it's got—it's got to make. Well, it, yeah. Twenty-five years ago, it was a thriving economy. Yeah, yeah. And 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 then they decided to elect a socialist government. Well, they, they well they <laughs> so and, and it's okay. been it's been rotten for you know more I, than uh, five years. But you figure about a twenty-year uh, process of taking a thriving economy and ruining I, it, ruining think, it with socialism. I think you you elected. An incompetent dictator. Well, I don't know what brand you put on him, but oh uh, no, he was very competent. He clamped down on everything. He to- seized well, total control of everything. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's <laughs> he sort was of a, highly competent. Well, it, it's like saying it's like saying you know, Chicago is democratic. No, it's not. It's an emperor emperorship. I mean, I mean, these people they, they care what party they're in. They're 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 just there to steal. It's anyway. What I'm saying is. What I, I, what I wonder about our situation, and Lou was talking about it huge yesterday regarding the military. I seem to recall, Kevin, and I, you know, I never read the thing, but I suppose I could still find a copy somewhere in uh, some library. When we when we got net, got whacked on 9-11, of course, that was a fiasco, too, because they had reports saying, watch out for these guys, and they didn't do it. Uh, anyway, it was, it was successful in the sense that those guys wrecked places. When it wasn't successful on our side, but on their side, they sure they think they did a good job, and uh, and they're somewhere where all the virgins are or whatever. But uh, after that, the amount of money that was spent or was allegedly spent was was passed by Congress to essentially harden areas in terms of what should happen in any kind of a terrorist attack, dirty bombs, you name it. Uh, the the ability of places to react and to move people and to be able to house people for a period of time if it's a dirty bomb or something. All that stuff was supposed to be, like, pre-planned, pre-staged. And, and the money went someplace, because I remember it was, like, a lot of money. And then all of a sudden here, we have, you know, 20 busloads of people into, into a city that has 3 million. And, yeah, it's, it's a problem. I get it. I mean, you'd, you'd rather that not happen. You'd rather have some controls of it. There's no place. There's not a... There's no place like Rantoul or Great Lakes or any place or, or the, uh, the old army places that used to be here. Joliet Prison, it's empty. Uh, I mean, there's no place where you can move 20,000 people if you had to. And there's no place with 5,000 cots and stuff where you can, if something like this happened. You know, what if somebody, you know, blew up Omaha, for God's sake? Not to I sure as hell they wouldn't. And all of a sudden, every city had to take... Twenty thousand people from Homa. We were we were supposed to be prepared for this, and now we're talking three, four bus loads, and the whole world is up in arms about it. I mean, I don't, I don't want that to happen. We're, we understand well, we're where I'm coming talking, from. We're, first of all, we're not talking three or four bus loads. Well, so let's okay, but it's, let, let, let's take that off the table. Right, if, if it's a hundred, that's not the truth. No, there's like a hundred and thirteen thousand in New York. Okay, people. Okay, I mean that's an influx. Uh, you I know, get it. Uh, um, that's substantial. So I, th- I think it's important to to know the numbers, but that's because we've let at, at least five million people into the country the last I, couple of years. I understand. But I'm saying you know, New York has the, 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 New York but, has but, six million but, people, but intentionally let that many people I, in without 
without a plan for what you're going to do I'm about saying, it. So when, there when was, you are making it up on the fly, you're going to get it wrong. I, the, my point, Kevin, is we spent enough money 20 years ago, or how many years ago it was, this shouldn't be on the fly. That's my point. I, I'm with you. It shouldn't be on the fly. It shouldn't be happening, number one. Right. Oh, I get that part. Um, I get it. But, but aside from that, um, you know the idea that uh, that we're you know we're just making it up as we go, and, and even, you know what if there if even if there were a perfect plan in there for a disaster, it has it sure as hell hasn't dawned on anybody to say oh why don't we just adapt our pl- our existing plan for it whatever is going on they just don't know but and this he- is this is the height of incompetence because the policy the border policy of the Biden administration is very intentional. I- so they know well, that they know that people are coming into the country. They've pretty much invited them into the country. Uh, the the president did that during the campaign, um, and has you know and has continued to send those signals to people. So, you know, it it, it is just the height of stupidity well, to do that. And it's and it's not even it's not even helping people because you're dooming them to a chaotic life when they get here so let's just say we we all embrace the idea of having the uh, all the uh, uh people you know migrate into the country but we're 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 making it suck for them when they get here what is good and what is humane and what is kind about that um what i'm saying is if it was pre-planned like it should be first of all hundred thousand people is a lot of people in a, in a city the size of new york six million god kevin it's a pimple on the ass of an elephant I mean, no, if, it's if, not. It's 100, 113,000 people. I'm saying any sort of planning that New York would have done 20 years ago for any sort of a problem, because they're the ones that had the, the 9-11, should, should easily include 100,000 people. I, okay. That doesn't. That does not mean that it's a small number, though. No. It's, well, it's, that it's a trivial number. It's not. I, I, it's still... And, 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 and Tom... You can make all the plans you want. When you have to exercise them at scale, you're, that that's a tough test for a plan. It's, well, it's that's true on any kind of big change I like that. And so you you know have there been exercises? There've been a few over the years that you know that I've seen where people actually tried to exercise their plans, but not many. I mean that you really want to do it right. That's going to be part well, of. Well, uh, we're just going to break here in a minute. But when I was at the school board, and I've said this before. I had I was key personnel in virtually every one of the old schools. They were built like brick bleep houses. Had a fallout shelter in it, and every one of those fallout shelters, because I could get into the shelter, was actually stacked. I'm not saying it was the world's brilliant idea or whatever, because you know. But the fact was, if it was for 60 people, there were 60 cots, 60 blankets, 60 pillows. I mean, a, a water for 60 people for two weeks, wafers for two weeks, medical supplies, uh, some kind of outfits for people. Uh, it was the money was spent as as advertised is what I'm saying, Kevin. Okay, so that's part one. Yeah. Now that's part have, one. Part two is when those 60 people show up. Now you're executing, and with a plan and with the supplies on hand, you have a better chance right. of getting it, it, it right. It still would be tough, but I promise. But I promise you that there would have been, sure. you know, a, a lot of real challenges to that. Well, especially if like 200 people tried to get in, <laughs> then you have a problem. But yeah, then then <laughs> then we have a, uh, um, a Twilight Zone episode. Oh yeah, then you got, yeah, you got real issues. But right, what I'm saying is, I don't know why I'm, I'm I'm getting I'm getting a little bit. Maybe it's maybe it's because Carl's talking to me too much. Uh, Actually, not enough because I love talking to Carl. But 
I want the people who stole the money from that bill in friggin' jail, Kevin. I mean, it's, it's time to start having some repercussions for people that steal all this stuff. I'm with you. And I don't see any, the, you know, the, the Armageddon you see here in Chicago where we, we don't arrest anybody, everything's okay, it's, quote, the culture, is the same thing that's been going on, although, you, you know, I mean, it's more dangerous for people walking down the street. It's the same thing that's been going on tax-wise for Amazon. It's the same thing that was going on for people that moved their, their tax thing overseas and cheated us on, on, uh, on transfer pricing. It's the same thing. When you, reach, when you reach a certain level, somebody who's supposed to be enforcing the laws says that, you know, as a matter of fact, we had a, a brother, uh, in a, not a brother-brother, but a, a brother is in a, is in a nun, is in a sister at Marist, and the, and the guy said, I mean, he goes, he goes any, any law implies enforcement. If there isn't any, get rid of the law because it's not going to be any good or it's going to be selectively enforced, which is the last thing you want. I, me- I remember him saying that in, in class, and it's, it's as true today as it was then. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, SP Futures up 16, NASA Futures up 74. I'd like a rally here, Kevin, so I don't know. We'll see. Are we going to get one, or just or is the big guy upstairs uh, going to turn off the rally just because of us? Just saying. Uh, it's all, it all gets back to you, too. <laughs> You know what, Kevin, if you were a trader for a week, you'd swear the reason why the market went down is because you were long or going up because you were short. You'd absolutely, everybody, everybody felt that way. <laughs> we'll be right. I, I, am, I am central. All things are connected to me. Well, I mean, they, they, never, they never took it to the next level, but they were absolutely convinced that, you know, what, even Marty O'Connell used to teach class. One guy, he says, what's the, what's the greatest reason in the world for the market to go down? And, and everybody's looking at him, he goes, because you're long. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 15. NASDAQ is up 66. We're, we're up 21. We came in. We're leaking a little. Uh, not so much. We're still up pretty much. Uh, Dow up 151. Individual stacks in the Dow. I'm staring right at. We got Salesforce up a buck 51. There's no. The only one who's, who's red here is Cisco, and they're down a whole penny. So with everything that's open already or trading already in the Dow is up. Uh, pretty much the same way in the transportation average, although a lot of those aren't trading yet. Uh, over in Europe. We have the DAX up 161, it's a full 1%. Uh, FTSE up 67, it's 0.9%. CAC around up 81, 1.1%. So pretty much uh, 
Uh, Eurozone inflation, they claim it's, it's fallen to 4.3% year over year, best year they've had in a while, so that's just kind of celebrating over there a little bit. Uh, Asia, the Nikkei down another 14 points, let's call that flat. They didn't bounce at all. Hang Seng, however, has. Up, they're up 436, 2.5%, trying to make it back to 18,000, 17,809. Shanghai up 3. Uh, actually, no, they, they did not trade uh, for whatever reason. They were closed today. So they don't scratch those. Scratch Shanghai. Uh, yesterday, we had a pretty good rally. That was up 116, SP up 25, NASDAQ up 108. Not as much as we were down the day before, obviously, but a reasonable bounce back. Bonds dropping a little bit today. When I say bonds, 10 year rate. Uh, down three basis points, 4.57, but uh, yesterday did a 15-year high uh, in a 10-year. Uh, so how long this has been going on, interest rates being low. The Bund down uh, 10 basis points at uh, 2.86. They were they almost made it to 3, 3% yesterday, which is coming from like minus 1.5 is a long way. Uh, Japan, I don't know how you do that in percentage terms. Uh, Japan is up another one to 0.77, so they're making it toward 1%, even though the, the party line still from the government is not to go over 0.5, but they've been over 0.5 for a while. Well, making a bounce here again, uh, 0.9, up 96 cents, 92.67, that's a whole percent. Run up 82 cents, 96.20, natural gas down a penny, 293. Our Bob unchanged at 251. We've got gold, which has been getting clobbered. It's actually up a little today, but we're talking about a dead cat bounce. Up 610, but still 1884, it was 1950, maybe five trading days ago. Silver up 53 cents, that's a big move out of silver. 50, again, bounced off that 2260 number. How many more times it's going to be? One day we're all going to buy it there, and it won't and it won't go. Uh, copper up three cents, three seventy-four. We have Bitcoin. I've been trying to come back here a little bit, but down ninety-two bucks today, twenty-six nine nine eight. It's under twenty-seven thousand. And the U.S. dollar, which has been causing a lot of this, is actually down for the second day in a row. With the euro back up to almost one hundred six, one hundred five nine, and the pound up to back up to one twenty-two, but it was one twenty-eight. We're trying to come off the bottom here and uh, nose, and with the dollar shrinking a little bit. Uh, a lot of stuff there, Greg. What do you got for us, traffic weather, sports, Cubs? Yeah. yeah. Morning, everyone. 6.39 a.m. here in Chicago. 63 degrees right now, 72 today. Foggy and sunny. Phoenix, 76 right now, 103 today. Hot with plenty of sun. Both have, uh, both Phoenix and Chicago have poor air quality. So that's uh well, you tell people not to breathe? Some with ab asthma and other uh, allergies have a uh, tough day. Anyways, traffic. Kennedy, Montrose City Interchange, 18 minutes. Edens, Lake Cook is 32 minutes in. Eisenhower, Wolf to the Interchange, 25 minutes. The Ryan Locals, 95th to the Interchange, 17 minutes. Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is 29 minutes. Baseball. White Sox win at home against the Diamondbacks. That was 3-1. Cubs lose at the Braves, 3-5. And then also NFL, we got Detroit beating Green Bay. At Green Bay, 34 to 20, Montgomery with three TDs. So I got Chief. Is that the Montgomery from the Bears? Uh, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got, Chief. Just Back saying, to you. you know. <laughs> Can't wait to be out of this mess. <laughs> How happy do you think that dude is, Kevin? Well, yeah. it, I, I'm sure he's he's very happy, but um, you know, what can I say? It, you know, people don't spend a lot of money on running backs. Very few people spend a lot of money on running backs. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's, they become the uh, everybody's the same, right? I don't know if everybody is the same necessarily, but um, well, there's look, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent for for that position. 
Um, and uh, so if if you're if you're tough and you're fast, you can play with as you know behind a good offensive line, and that's you know that's that's the challenge of uh, of the running game is it's the people who block. Not you know Khalil Herbert is fine, and I, I really like the rookie that they have from Texas, um, but uh, you know can can they block two plays in a row? And that's and the answer for the Bears is no, not really. No, especially with you know injuries on the line. You know, look, starting guard and a starting tackle are on the uh, injured list, and um, so you know you, you, they went into the season thinking that their line was going to be very much improved and uh, and solidified, and it turns out it's not. And then the one veteran that they that they brought in has been dealing with family issues and and generally not available. Um, so you know, what do you do about that? There's there is no team in the world that can stand uh, stand for that, and then all their other problems just make it look that much worse. Well, the when you have the the dude they they uh, drafted to be a tackle, and he had been hurt in college, correct? So of course he's hurt immediately here, and uh, didn't play the first year. Well, now they drop him back to guard, right? Yeah, and he was terrific there last year. Yeah, and he and now all of a sudden, but now the injury bug that he pretty much he's had the whole way. Is uh, it's back. It's back, and uh, you know. because when you when you play a game as violent as professional football, once you start to get injured, you're probably going to keep getting injured. Yeah, it's pretty hard to, you know. And yet, some people like what was the team? Uh, what was the team last year? They they, they were in the playoffs. Was it the Rams or somebody? They drafted in the third round or something. Some guy had a. South Dakota, North Dakota, and he he'd never missed a game for them, and he came in here and I don't I don't know if the guy was all pro or not, but he was pretty darn solid, and he played all seventeen games of the rookie year in the playoff games. I mean, some people manage to, of course, all all it takes is one guy rolling over your ankle when you don't we're not even looking at him. I mean, it's not like it's well it, that's part that's part of it, Tom. All, yeah. all it takes is the one injury, but it also one year is not a trend. <laughs> Well, but I'm saying he he never missed a game in college, and now he's never missed a game in pro. Oh yeah, yeah. And, uh, but still, depending on the injury, especially if it's your back. Yeah. You know, I mean, try play. You know, try playing uh, professional football with a bad back it, at any position, let alone uh, let alone offensive line. Oh, you can't. You can't. And and it's just not going to. So when you start having back troubles. Um, it is. Uh, it is probably. It, 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 it's. It's somewhere between career threatening and career career shortening, uh, possibly career ending. And that's that's just the way it is. So yeah, you can't you can't draft guys that are damaged goods. You, you just can't. You know, move on to the next guy. I don't care how much you love him. Move on to the next guy. Well, um, in the old days, uh, when I say old, even the seventies, eighties, they used to fill guys up with so many drugs that. They'd play, and then five years after they were playing, they couldn't go out and walk the dog. You know, it's that was just that was worse. Mm-hmm. And it just uh, just ugly stuff. I, um, I, uh, you know, the, the the thing about the sports and the gambling and all that stuff. This whole this whole deal with the gambling, Kevin. I can't. I don't know. I can't. I, I just. I don't even want to go there. I mean, I just wonder every time somebody has a problem now with the league, is it is it going to be gambling related? <laughs> I just wonder. I mean, they. And, uh, and uh, just whenever there's the, gambling on, you know, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey now too. Yeah, well, it's not just the game. It's the, Ugh. <laughs> you know, I, I, she doesn't seem like she doesn't se- doesn't seem like a bad person, and she's certainly hot enough. Yet, boy, for for a guy to 
put up put up what well, you have to put up with to go out with her. You, you have to really like her. I mean, it's boy, I can't even imagine that. Can you, Kevin or, or Greg? What you have to go up with? Go. I mean, every time you go on a date, the whole world's watching. You know, I, I women used to complain about that when they dated me too. I know. Me, well, I mean, me too. You know, same thing. Same way about Greg. He's a you know, big restaurateur in town. He's a big trader. He's you know, he's a it guy. The limousine he drives around with is a dead giveaway, right, right, Greg? That's me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's now, me. so yeah, so I, I at least heard those words. You know, the things I have to put up to go out with you. I'm not. It might have been about fame and and, yeah, and you know, been, attention yeah. and all that. It might have been about that, but I'm pretty sure it was something else. Well, you know, it, it, it would be sort of weird. I mean, I, who knows what people do these days? To drive over to somebody to, if you're going on a date to to go pick them up and you say, "Who are all those idiots with the cameras out in front of the place?" I mean, it, yeah, it would no, be no, sort of no, weird. No. Who wants to deal with paparazzi? Oh, I wouldn't. you know, it was weird, Kevin. I, as as a Ute, uh, well, relative Ute. I went to New York my first time, uh, go see the exchanges and stuff. God, it was just had to be eighty something. And I'm walking down the street, and uh, was you know it was what's the Madison Avenue? Where, where was all the stores? The Park Avenue? I don't know. Whatever, one of those streets. And all of a sudden, I see this whole group of people on the sidewalk. And I ask one of them, I go, "What are you guys doing?" They're staring into this store and looking through the windows and stuff. And it was some you know whoever some lady, hotshot was at the time, and I, I knew the name. Well, she, Susie's in there. Susie something something. And I go, so what? She's just shopping. Like, leave her alone. <laughs> they looked at me like I had four heads. Chicago, you know, you didn't. I mean, I, I've gone to restaurants here in Chicago and see guys that are in, you know, uh, local people that are on TV and, uh, you know, even even some of the stars and some of the you know the shows that are filmed here and stuff. Nobody ever bugs them. Is, it, is that a New York and, and LA phenomenon? Well, it could be. I'm sure you see it in other places too. And I, I you know, I have no doubt that people get approached all the time. And uh, uh, but you know, the question is, what's that approach like too? Is this is it this big, um, you know, virtual mugging, or is it somebody who would just go up and say, "Hey, I really, I really enjoy your work, and um, I just wanted to say hello and shake your hand." Okay, yeah, you know, that's that's a little bit different than you know having. Uh, 50 photographers around trying, trying to catch that one saleable shot. Well, I actually was downstairs, uh, it was about a year ago, and uh, we stopped downstairs for an adult beverage, and, and down at the end of the bar, was uh, or sitting on one of the tables, was Will Purdue. So he came over, and you know, he's he's not a big time celebrity or anything, but he uh, you know, he came up like right next to me to pay his bill. He looks at me and he said, hey, hello, and I said, hi, uh, just want to say, since, since, since you said hello to me first, I really enjoy your work, and, uh, you know, keep it up. I mean, I enjoy watching it. He goes, really? Well, thank you very much. I always like to hear that and wandered off. I mean, there was nothing, you know, nothing untoward about that. He actually started the conversation, but uh, so I, mean, I didn't feel bad about yeah, saying so that. So the, the question is, are people behaving like adults? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah uh, or or are, are they behaving like, you know, just really silly fanboys? Um, well, Kevin, we've we touched on some subjects. The question is, and, and every time somebody tries to start a business, there's going to be a loser somewhere along the line. I mean, it, it, that's why they call it risk. And a lot of people that I know that are really successful entrepreneurs might be might be their second or third business. You know, I mean, it's just some people are, are, are just have the, the bug, and, you know, you, you might open up a pizza place, and all of a sudden the pizza place doesn't do so good, and you try something else. And, and, and people like that are kind of a rare commodity. And, you know, but, but the same thing happens. The guys, I don't know if people noticed it on Thursday, the difference in the, in the, in the uh, 
businesses that Dan talks about, and if you and I, you know, you and I don't normally do this, but if we sit around talking about Amazon or, or someplace like that, I mean, all the people Dan talks to, I mean, if, I mean it's pretty obvious the way he talks if, if anybody listens closely. These are driven by individual people that have a lot of their own skin on the line. Even if the companies have stock and, and bonds out there and stuff, they're still driven by if they screw up, they're not they're not big enough to be covered by the government. <laughs> so the pressure's on. And, am I right? I mean, it's a whole different. Well, world. I, I think I think that's a part of it. Yeah. And and part of it is that you talk a lot about the management class, but these are mostly people. The people he likes are the, the people who are real pros when it comes to these management. are these are absolutely not the management class I'm talking about. You know that. I hope everybody else does too. I'm talking about the management class at some firm that is too big to fail or something. Where yeah, just no, no, I'm just embellishing what yeah, you yeah. said. I'm not arguing with you. Um, but, the, yeah, it, it's uh, – and, you know, I always tell my uh, my, my students, there, there's there's several things that, you know, like anybody who's taken a class from me will repeat, you know, if you, if you ask them. And one of them is that there are two things that, ter- you know, offend me terribly. Uh, one of them is bad management, of which we see a lot. We talk a lot about it on, on – the show and the other one is bad baseball which lately has been something else (laughs) yeah um so uh um you know but you know in truth when we talk about the the ills of the management class that's what we're really talking about is just a form of bad management um you know whether whether it's profitable for those people or not whether it's you know whether it works out for the company or not um, there, there is just a, you know, there are better and worse ways to operate a, um, a business, better and worse ways to deal with people, and uh, you know, I always see an, uh, an angle in, uh, in almost any time that you want people to do the right thing, it also happens to be the smart thing for business, um, and and I make that case all the time because bad management just kind of corrupts from the you know from the inside out and you you just you know the longer it goes on the more you know people may see what did we talk about you sent me you know text yesterday short-term profits <laughs> you know yeah. we were talking about something entirely different but um but the this idea of you know i only care about you know what what my profit line looks like this quarter so i can get my uh, my bonus um you know those that kind of decision making is ultimately destructive to a company over the you know if you keep doing it long enough well i was uh one of the themes here that, that i mean maybe people pick up on but one of the we, we talk sometimes about uh you know government with a lot about government and uh well just to back up a little one of the classes i took in where chicago was in designing management compensation packages or ceo compensation packages to to benefit the long run uh, uh, benefit of shareholders and really everybody at the place because you can't one one if you're gonna have a company for 100 years you can't pollute the stream because somebody's gonna catch you and it's gonna cost you more to clean it up than it did to be saved by polluting there's there's a long-term view of of things you you can't hate everybody that works at the place because at some point you you need them you can't screw up you know like i said the environment you can't you have to play nice with the with the municipality. You have to do a lot of stuff if you're going to be a successful over a long period of time. If you're going to get a, a bonus every three months, you're probably going to pour crap in the river. You're probably going to not you're going to fire the people. You know whatever. There's all kinds of different stuff, and we also try to move that over into government. 
uh, Kevin. And and I, I always talk about, you know, people bitch constantly, constantly about government is not run like a business. And my constant response to that, which is not coming from me, it's coming from Nobel Prize winner George Stigler, who happened to have a class twice, who's now not with us anymore. Uh, he goes, it is a business, you just don't understand the business. Well, yeah, it's run. It's but it's run like a bad business. Well, but, it, but it's, it's to me. It's it, you know when we and we talk about should there be a constitutional convention? Should we get a new constitution or, or that kind of thing? That's fraught with massive amounts of danger there because the constitution is a spectacular document uh, in terms of uh, checks and balances and anticipating people being crooked and being checked by other people. I mean, it's really a document that I don't know of anything quite like it. However. Over a period of time, I think that there's been some problems. And one is, I don't think those guys could possibly have anticipated uh, people from districts far away influencing representative elections every two years. Because one of the things about the, the representatives is supposed to be the people's house. Because in two years, you can throw the guy out if things change. Now, the Senate's different, six years, obviously. But I just wonder, Kevin, if we were to start it all over today... Would you do something that short term? Because you can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, if, I mean, if, if I wanted to be, for instance, I mean, we talk about the Chicago situation and in the uh, um, situation with this particular guy. Is he still getting paid by the teachers' union? To me, Kevin, that, that's that's a jailable offense. But that you know, nobody's asking me. But by the same token, if I was running for mayor here, I'd have one hell of a time if I didn't have, if, if not one teacher is going to vote for me. Or a policeman, or because they're starting out with only thirty percent of the people show up. So if you end up with a big group that obviously has their hand uh, either in a pocket or up to behind of the city, uh, somehow or another, to get in that spot, you've got to get at least half of those people to vote for you, or a third. You can't go with none. So you you end up having to pacify the people that you least want to pacify just to get in. I mean, in a, in a local type of thing especially if it's set up like it is here. And I think that a lot of people running from running now for Democrat or Republican have to somehow find a way to pacify the total lunatics in, in, that are seemingly controlling each party. And how somehow or another, you, you figure that you're going to somehow split the middle, and if you can get the zealots on both sides. It's, it, it's designed right now, Kevin, sort of like a really bad compensation thing for... Because if you're a representative, your mentality is just get me back in, and when I'm in there, I'll fix it. But then six months later, you're running again. You know, I mean, I'm not saying you should be there for 20 years or 10. I'm not so sure two's the number either. You know, in this day and age, but I don't know. I'm I'm just saying right now it appears to me that the the incentives and the way it's working to get people in there do not seem to point towards long-term stuff like like Lou talking about you know, Chinese government. Obviously, looks more long term. Fifty years from now, they want to take over the United States. They don't care really if it's forty or thirty-five or fifty, but that's where they're going. We're here. I don't know. I don't think anybody's thinking like that. I mean, it seemed like for a generation when everybody was fought World War II together, there was some connection to where at least we have to have a strong this, strong that. But even though we might have sniped about all the other stuff and get an election, we all felt that hey, we just came off a of war. We don't want to. We don't want to get our ass kicked again. We just almost got there. So, I mean, seeming like things are falling apart, and I, I don't know that the, the design of the way people are getting elected right now isn't a part of it. I don't, I don't know what the fix is, but, I, but it does seem to me like a, a bad CEO package. Anyway, what do you think? 
Um, <laughs> it's just like a bad CEO package. Um, you know, whether whether we uh, mess with the terms or not, those are doable without a con- constitutional convention. Those are constitutional amendments. Um, so, you know, that that, that could be doable. That, um, just, I, I just want to backfill and, and relate the story, uh, you know, about what started us down this this particular yeah. uh, sub-thread. And, and that is that you and Lou were talking about the Chinese preparing for, uh, you know, basically stockpiling things that they'll need in case of conflict. And um, and, and I mentioned to you, I texted to you that, yeah, while, while the Chinese are stockpiling, we depleted the strategic oil reserve yeah, yeah. Uh, substantially. Uh, to uh, uh, ahead of the uh, uh, to try and put downward pressure on oil prices ahead of the 2022 election, um, uh, so you know it, your response to that was yeah our politicians behave like a CEO <laughs> with quarterly earnings pressure yeah um, they do so in my and, observation and, and it, you know it, is that ever going to go away you know however however we would choose to do. Uh, elections and terms and so on. I mean, certainly with Congress, every two years, the, you know, the day the election's over is the day they start working on the next uh, next campaign. But I'm pretty sure that even with six-year terms, that that's what the senators do too. Um, yeah. So, so I, you know, I I don't know exactly what the solution to that is. Um, it, the, it's partly why I'm so in favor of term limits because I don't want this to be. A career for everyone. Maybe you know. Maybe the Senate makes sense as a career. You know, I don't know. But I, I really would rather that Congress not be a career. That that be a place where you go to serve your country and then go back, go back to whatever it is. I, uh, you did. That that's the original intent of it, anyway. You, you and I have. Uh, we we got a dash here, but you and I have, have a, a somewhat of a basic disagreement on that. Not that I don't know where you're coming from, but. Uh, both in my manufacturing career and in my CBOE career, all it is is a workaround. It means that instead of paying the guy who's been there 15 years, I'm uh, I'm the guy blank from Freed that gives a million dollars to Jesse Jackson's kid when he's not even there yet, and and he, it causes him to beat probably two people that were way more qualified than him. All you, all you do is drive it down the chain. I mean, you're going to end up giving checks to people that aren't even there yet. The checks are still going to... If people are willing to be bought, they're just going to be bought lower down. But now the drug companies are giving a lot of money to people in state legislatures that they think might run someday for some of the... It, it, it's just a workaround, Kevin. I mean, that's why I don't... Uh, so I don't, know, I don't know that... Plus, actually, my real bitch with term limits... I have no idea. I've been on for 45 minutes. He hasn't... You know. Oh, Mike's Mike, on. Mike, Mike's on. <laughs> Mike, we're we're we're, we're going to see. We're going to have Carl in a minute. We're going to go to break, and if he, uh, we'll see how good he does with his. He's coming from the Grand Canyon, and unless like he gets flooded out or something, um, you can chime in. Uh, but if he if we can't hear him, you're you're in the bullpen, bud. You're in the bullpen. That's what people. Well, either way, I Mike, apologize. Mike, 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 when you come in, shout. <laughs> I thought you guys would see that I am online with you. Well, we uh, we do. Greg, I don't. Greg, I've, I've got something else open. <laughs> Oh, anyway, SP Futures up 14, NASDAQ Futures up 69. Uh, we'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Well, no big stocks and jocks. I'm Tim Howe. Greg Pappas on the board. SVP is up 16. The SVP is up 78. Do we have Carl? You do. We do. Hey, Carl, would you mind, since since Mike is here, I want to expand a little bit because you uh, have an awful lot of stuff that you we talk about that really... I mean, and Kevin and I were just talking about it, and Lou yesterday brought up an awful lot of stuff regarding, you know, Chinese essentially stockpiling stuff, and we're kind of going the other way. And I just, uh, and Mike has been involved in some of the, you know, we're not going to go into details, but he's he's been in the Army and been in the, in the strategic area where they're doing planning and stuff. It, I, th- I think most people, I mean, I, I hoped anyway, but even with all the rancor you've seen, and you know, and politicians always fight back and forth. I mean, since you know, I've, I remember that since we were kids, and you read about it, they're fighting during every other administration. But you always got the feeling that at the end of the day, in Congress, they identified those people that were a little—I won't say smarter, but people that were maybe a step above the rest. I mean, I like this guy here in Chicago. I don't know if I'm a massive fan, but Mike Quigley is a guy, he hasn't been there very long, but he's an attorney and he's done a bunch of stuff, and he immediately kind of went up the chain in terms of these House, you know, double secret committees regarding, uh, you know, wartime, and Mike knows the names of the committee. And you, you always had the feeling, at least I had had the confidence, maybe not, I shouldn't have had, that at the, at the end of the day, out of all the 100 people sniping in the Senate, there were, there were, there were 10 people that were on these committees and 10 from the House that shed that other crap at the door, and at least when they were in those kinds of meetings, those kinds of planning meetings and talking about secret operations and stuff, could be counted on and could, could drop the political mantra. Out of all those people, there was, there was like an inner core of people that everybody respected, guys like Dan Inouye, people like that. Is that... Do we think that's still happening, or did it ever really happen, or was I just a goofball ever think it happened? Is it are we still having something like that, or has the rancor's gotten so bad that it can't even do that? Well, I don't know that you've ever really had it. I think I think there's a lot of mystique around Washington D.C. Um, you, know, you just look at the the response over the last three years or so, um, and all of the things that happened during the time that Trump was in office and then you know now you've got Biden um, and of course <laughs> it's it's rather interesting to to hear people go all crazy about the weaponization of the you know the FBI and the DOJ and you know let's let's indict Trump you know 15 more times for for this or that or whatever um, gee how about how about Barack Obama um, how many things did he do that were blatantly unconstitutionally illegal, uh, screwed the country to a tremendous degree? I mean, the, the, the biggest one is arguably DACA, 
which he knew was illegal. And in fact, there's written documentation that he knew it was illegal. He knew that he did not have the authority to do it. He did it anyway. Um, and then after, and, and you know, this is essentially the same sort of thing that, that happens repeatedly, is that you do something that's so outrageous is wildly unconstitutional or illegal or just simply ignores the separation of powers and you know where your authority actually comes from but it impacts so many people that unwinding it is almost impossible even if you lose later on and that's what happened with daca is that obama did this knowing full well it was against the law he did not have the authority but he all of a sudden he takes you know, a couple million people and puts them in, uh, you know, essentially into a protected status in the United States that are not citizens. And then, you know, wags his finger. Ha, 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 ha. Go ahead, try to do anything about that. Well, it's pretty hard to bring. Mike, when you, without naming names or anything like that, when, when you were in a lot of those meetings, did you have the feeling that these guys at least dropped, dropped their head at the door and were, and were legit or no? Well, Tom, I don't. I was never high enough up to to be in any of the significant meetings where what Carl is talking about. I mean, I just brief staffers on Afghanistan or Russia or whatever. You know, the threat from those nations. But in a way, uh, I really agree with Carl about and he didn't say this and I don't want to put words in his mouth but there is a progressive agenda being manipulated by former Obama staffers in the White House and I just disagree with their they're not paying any attention to what America really needs and there is a lack of common sense in the White House now well I would agree with that uh, how how would you uh, there's a um, I don't know you guys probably both read it the um, the book is what a man called Intrepid. It was the guy. The book about the British Secret Service l- leader during World War II. And if you read about that guy, and you compare him to anybody we have in office today, it's it's laughable. I mean, the dude was a uh, a huge math scholar. Uh, he was one of the original inventors of TV. He was a light heavyweight boxing champion. <laughs> I mean, the guy was everything. An accomplished author. I mean, it, we don't have anybody like that now in office anywhere. I don't think. But anyway, he. Uh, one of the chapters was impeachable offenses. I mean, uh, Roosevelt was party to an awful lot of information that he didn't think he could share with all the goofballs in Congress. And uh, he, a lot of the stuff, the Lend-Lease and all those other kinds of things, they were, they were technically over his skis. Yet, if he didn't do it, I don't know where we'd be. I mean, I, there's, a, there's a fine line there. I, I, don't know, I don't know where the line is. I guess if it's the right person, they know where the line is. And if it's the wrong person, maybe they don't. I well, well, Chief, you know, the thing is, is that there's always this, the, the, the argument of all scoundrels is always that we had to get it done and we had to do it now. Yeah, oh yeah. We couldn't do it through the, pro- we couldn't do it through the process. We couldn't, you know, or, or the, the best one is we couldn't get it through the process because nobody would allow it to go through the process. I mean, that's what we're dealing with right now. Right? I, I happen to be sitting at the Mather campground at the Grand Canyon and we're leaving in a day or two, which is probably good because in another day or two, they may actually literally kick everybody out. 
Oh yeah, yeah, because, that's right. You know, this is well, but that's what they do with these shutdowns. It's not. It is not actually that they can't leave the parks open because the parks do not require external funding. They're self-supporting. Everything here it costs two fifty for a five-minute shower. Okay, these. I mean, these are run by concessionaires. It is not the, the government doesn't run this. They they let a contract out to a concessionaire, and that's how it's done. Okay, fine, but that means it's self-supporting. So, why do why is it? And, and you know, we had the shutdown when Obama was in office. He closed all the parks. Why do you do this? Because it puts pain on the public. Oh yeah. And he and they all do this on purpose to screw the public, so they'll scream at their legislators. Well. Okay, um, whatever. I, you know, I, hey, it's a beautiful time out here right now in terms of weather and everything else. Um, we did a, my daughter and I did an absolutely crazy hike a couple of days ago. We did the, the rim to river to rim in one day, which they tried to tell you shouldn't do. Um, if you're fit and capable of it, it is an absolutely incredible experience. But so, do not underestimate. <laughs> so you went down. You went down and up the same day. Yeah, and it's and it, the thing is, is that what makes it what makes it so tough and what makes it dangerous, and it, and it is dangerous. You can get yourself killed doing this. Uh, is that there is no puss out option because you start at the top. So I mean, there's there's a very difficult hike in the Smokies uh, going up Alum Cave to Lacan. It's not as bad as this, but it's but it's pretty rough. But the thing is, because you start at the bottom, if you get halfway through it, and you go, oh, my God, I can't do this, um, you stop and turn around. <laughs> okay? Yeah. It, it doesn't work like that here because you're starting at the top of the canyon, and the other problem is that the temperatures are about 20 degrees hotter down at the bottom than they are at the top. So when you start ascending, um, you know, it can be a nice 70 degrees at the, you know, at the top, and it's 95 down at the bottom. Okay, well, I mean, it's all. It, it I think what happens is that uh, yet they end up. It becomes all hype. I mean, uh, right now, I mean, a politician, if he if he tells the truth, probably gets nowhere, right? But it, it seems like it just keeps getting worse and worse. And I, I don't understand where this this group in the White House came from. I don't know where the not the Trump's group. I don't know where the Obama group came from. I just, he I thought was put in by the CIA, and yet I don't think the CIA had that kind of an agenda. Uh, well, chief, chief, I don't, you know, I don't. That the political angle on all this stuff is all is, uh, you know, is is great conversation, and it has a lot to do with, you know, what direction do you think the country should go in these, you know, in these different areas? Okay, that's fine. But what we're really talking about here right now, and from a standpoint of the markets, and from a standpoint of the debate that's going on in, in Congress, you know, at the moment, and whether or not they're going to have shut down, and also the nonsense. Is about the fact that that, that we and, and I pointed this out in leverage. <laughs> there is a graph in that in that book, yeah. one of the first ones in the first set of pages, that shows what happens every single time that you have two exponential functions and one has a greater exponent than the other. And the first one's GDP, and the second one's debt. And if you grow debt faster than you grow GDP, eventually you fiscally die. And it feels great when you start, 
because it looks like there's a free lunch. There's a gap that originally begins to grow in a positive way from a standpoint of how the economy functions for everybody. And everyone thinks this is fabulous. It's wonderful. It's, oh my God, it's beautiful. Look at all these new houses. Look at all these great cars. Look at all this great stuff. Everything is lovely. The truth is, if you keep doing this, you're going to get destroyed. I, uh, and it happens. There's no, you're not going yeah, but you're, you're not going to get any argument ever out of me or out of Mike out of that one. Now, my question is to, to, to both of you guys, as they say in the South Side, if you went on, they wouldn't invite you. Uh, they wouldn't invite me because they have a face for radio. Uh, on CNBC or Fox Business or whatever, and I come up with this line, either the one goofball guy in the afternoon or a Becky Quick or somebody's going to say, Carl, Tom, Mike, you come on the show every... <laughs> every month for the last 15 years or 20 years and you give us the same story and you know what nothing's happened yet and here and here i am right now knowing that i think the market has more headwinds than i've seen in forever i've put some i'm not going to go into the trades but i've put some positions on as cheap as i possibly can uh very cheap by the way where I have some options expiring today, and I'm going to hang on to the long... I did, like, essentially Monday to Friday spreads, uh, you know, for half a buck, that kind of thing. So we're not talking right. Benny Doe. But the point being is I think there's a positive chance, whatever it is, 20%, 30%, that over the weekend uh, they'll find some way to, to shut up the guys that are basically saying what we're saying about the deficit. And... Uh, on Monday morning, there's going to be some kind of announcement that there's some sort of deal, and oh, by the way, we can start borrowing again. And I, I will guarantee you that that will be guaranteed about the market. I never should say that. Uh, that it will be met with an amazing celebration worldwide in the markets. And, and all it does is put us closer to the day that you and I, and Mike, I think, think you got to watch out for. Yet it's never happened. People wonder, what are you talking about? It's, you know, uh, that that's where we are. I mean, and, and you know I'm with you, and I think Mike is too. I mean, it, it, the numbers are obvious. You can, somewhere in the next five years or two years, you gotta you got to stop this exponential growth in medical stuff. And yet I see combinations going every single day in the, in the industry, and the price is going up. I, you know, you gotta, you got to stop it everywhere. It's, yeah. You know, if you look, at the, you look at the GDP and the debt situation from the standpoint of the, just the government, American government, uh, say much less, you know, from a corporate perspective, the, the crossover happened a long time ago, if you include everything else. But that crossover has occurred. It is a runaway freight train. And, you know, it's I, years ago, I wrote an article before I wrote the book uh, that was a, on a lily pad, was the, was the metaphor. You have this particular prolific lily that reproduces every day. So, you know, one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight. And you have a, a lily pad, uh, a pond, with 4,096 units of space. And you place one lily that consumes one space on the top. And you have a bunch of fish underneath, and they eat the algae. The algae, of course, grows because there is light that comes through, through the water. And the lilies take some of that light, if, but, you know, as long as most of the pond is not obstructed, everything seems fine. Well, 
when you get to 12.5% of the pond being covered, it doesn't look like you have a problem. But you're three days away from being dead. Yeah. All of you. Okay, and the thing is, that at that point, if, if you do not detect that this has to stop, if you don't start eating those lilies <laughs> faster than they reproduce, you are all going to die. And it is not a maybe. It is not a, well, you know, things might, no, that's not how it's going to work. You're all going to die because there's going to be no oxygen and there's going to be no food. And that is the way, that is the reality of it. And we go through this, you know, we, we always, there's always an excuse. We can't do it today. We can't, we can't I, stop sending right. money to Ukraine. We can't stop, we can't stop giving people money to buy food. We can't turn down SNAP. We can't turn down Medicare. We can't turn down Medicaid. We can't go after the fraud in those programs. We can't do anything about the fact that a medication that costs $1,000 in the United States is 25 bucks in India. Right. Okay? And, oh, by the way, it's made in the same factory, and that has been a felony, a 10-year-in-prison felony for over 100 years to set pricing up like that. I, I don't disagree. Hey, I, I have, a, been, I have a, a, a technical question. Um if you look at the, the, obviously we have the federal budget problems. We also have state, and then we have local. Uh, we have tiers of this. How much of the? Well, yeah, uh, but they do it. The, they do it there too. Okay, but what I'm saying is, in in this area, being a Illinois, I think all states must have got some dough. Um, a lot of the water that the the Fed is carrying now, the 33 trillion. I'm going to say, at least for the short term. A lot of the states and cities have been bailed out, Carl. So it's not it's not as well, mu- bit, uh, it's not well, as much of it. I mean, they're going to they're, okay. they're, they're going to piss it away. So don't don't don't, don't, don't I'm not going to say that it's a long term solution. But I said, but some of the huge federal deficit right now has actually gone to. I mean, two years ago, the feds were, or five years ago, the feds were a big problem, but state and local might have been a bigger problem. All I'm saying is, to be fair, the Fed has essentially, well, they gave enough money to states and locals to where some of those guys are somewhat bailed out, even though the Fed looks way worse. So net-net, um, it's not, if you take all three together, it's probably not as bad as maybe it looks. It's still horrible. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they, they, I mean, Chicago is not as broke as they were because the Fed gave them a bunch of dough, is what I'm saying. But now they're going to get broke again because all this other stuff happening. So it won't take long. I mean, well, except, except the thing is, is that moving moving around where the guy plays the violin on the Titanic, yeah. it's the iceberg, doesn't change anything. Oh yeah, you're, you're like the, the guy with the pee under the the things on the sidewalk, right? <laughs> He's moving them around. Yeah, I mean, be, be realistic. Yeah, here, right. I mean, what we're what we're dealing with at the bottom line is is uh, you know just going these you know these this direction from a standpoint of the of government spending and government tax revenue and anybody that thinks this is entirely a biden thing has rocks in their head. oh no no trump was trump was probably i trump was the worst in history before biden and and he was only the worst in history because obama was just as bad before him well every so, I mean, every president going back to bush too has doubled the deficit during their time in office and Trump didn't quite get there because he was only there four years. Every single one. 
Yeah, it, exactly. And the thing is, is that absolutely none of them. And, and listen, for those people who say the government, you know, that the, that the president doesn't have this kind of power, or that, or the Congress doesn't have this power. Oh yes, they do. Okay, the president can say. I'm going to veto every single bill that comes across my desk until you in Congress give me a balanced budget that actually runs a primary surplus. By the way, and starts to whittle can down. Can you the name Mike? Probably can. Can you name the, the president who did that? He probably was my favorite president, maybe the only one I ever voted for, and he didn't win. Mike, can you name him? Mike's still with us. Says he's still No, I'm still here, Tom. Just thinking, but I have no idea. I was going to say Clinton balanced the budget, but uh, no, he didn't. No, he he sort of did, but sort not really. But he had had Jerry Ford. Jerry Ford. Jerry Ford. He just started. Uh, He just started vetoing bills and said, "Screw it! If you guys can't give me something that balances, I'm not. I'm not." I don't know. I think some of them are overridden, but he, he just said, "I'm not. I'm not signing this." Well, and, well, and that's okay if they get overridden. I mean, that's how our government works, right? I mean, that's the that's the way it is. But you want to talk about throwing a monkey wrench at the Congress and saying, "Do this, or you're going to have to work your butt off to get anything done." Okay, um, that's the easy way to do it. You say, "Hey, guess what? I got a veto pen. I'm going to use it." And every single bill you send me, I don't care what the subject is. I don't care how important I think it is. It's getting vetoed until you solve this problem. Why don't why and don't these guys yeah. why don't these guys and this is a question for uh, Debody why why don't these guys use the power of the pen? There, there's there, when they fight, it's kind of weird. It's they they fight about certain stuff and kind of call each other's names, but they never actually go at the jugular. They never say the reason why this is in here is because. It's because Representative Murphy got a big check from Pfizer. They never, they never actually go there and say that. I mean, to each other. Is it because they're all so friggin' dirty? Even the, the lady in the yeah. Every one, every every one of them is corrupt. Okay, Chief. When you know when Ron Paul, Ron Paul was supposedly the you know the champion of of you know the Fed's corrupt and we need to you know we need to rein them in and they need to you know end the Fed. That was that was his famous saying, right? Okay. Well, during the crash. In 2008, Bernanke showed up and said in his testimony that he was adding liquidity to attempt to mitigate the crash. Unfortunately for him, the Federal Reserve's New York deal desk publishes all of their trade records (laughs) and the balance of payments that go in and out every day at the direction of the person who, by the way, at the time, that was Tim Geithner. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was who, his main guy. Who, yeah, and, and by the way, he ended up being rewarded by with the Treasury Secretary position, right, for, yep. for this. Uh, I proved through public documents that, in fact, the New York Fed desk pulled tens of billions of dollars out of the banking system in the law of the crash at the time it was going on. And, and this was this was not a, any kind of you know wild revelation. It was available anybody that bothered to go look. Well, I went and I looked, and there it was. And so I said, now, what, oh, why, "Excuse why, me, why did he do that?" I, mean, I have no well, idea. I don't know why. Uh, 
I don't know why. I don't know why he did it. I just know that he did it. So I faxed all 535 members of Congress. I paid the money to to run my fax machine. I faxed that proof and a letter saying, "Hey, guys. Um, by the way, Bernanke's going to show up on the Hill in a couple of days for Humphrey Hawkins, and he has to answer your questions. Um, why don't you ask him this?" Yeah, it's uh. Well, do you know? You know, I got out of all of those faxes I sent, I got one phone call. And, and that phone call was to say, "Shut up." It was from Ron Paul's office, telling me to shut up and never fax his office again. There you go. Well, yes, I, I mean, I'm always okay. I'm fascinated. So because... you know what? So you know what? All these people, it was all a scam and a fake. All it was about was. Oh, well, I can use this as a way to get campaign contributions. Just look at what's going on right now. You, you got cotton. Oh, yo, we got to fight. I get, I, I've gotten a half dozen spams. We're going to we're having an impeachment inquiry. By God, give me some money. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. What is giving your campaign some money going to do about you conducting an impeachment inquiry? They just, How does that somehow advance this? Well, you guys uh, are, are more in tune with it. I'm the last was the last Congress the. the Democrats only had what a couple of people. Uh, they had what one person in the Senate advantage or something, and uh, the bill that was that was being sent through was was held up by the one Democratic vote, the lady in Arizona, correct? And she would not vote for whatever the plan was unless they finally had a, a bill that was going to stop the carried interest stuff. Now I'm, right. I'm sure both Mike, you know what that is the. Uh, yeah, it's the Kristen Cinema. She was the one yeah. that held it up. And uh, and so yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that that is a very serious Wall Street kind of perk. How did how did those guys find her as being somebody who was? Because I mean, I was reading stuff that didn't she get like a million and a half donation from somebody from Wall Street? And then, then yeah, but how how did they, how did they find her? How did they find out that that she essentially had? Had blood in the water and like sharks, they went after him. How would they know she was viable? I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's but there is there's an awful lot of money flying around, uh, uh, you know, with the K Street folks and such. Uh, that I mean, that's that's what these guys do. Was they 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 always look for that soft underbelly and where you know where can I go get this to you know where's where's the pressure point. Yeah, I would say for, for those of real brief, if you if you run a hedge fund, okay, and which I've I've done, um, and, and say it's uh, you know two and twenty, now what that means is if a bunch of guys throw money into a hedge fund that I manage or Carl manages or Mike manages, uh, well, you guys have to get your test. You have to be a serious sixty-five guy. But uh, I could do that tomorrow. You know that means I get two percent of if there's a billion dollars in there right out of the gate. Me and my firm get two percent of the money for running it. Okay, so that's the two two percent part. That's that's pretty easy. That's just regular old income. But if I decide, but I also get twenty percent of what the fund does. All right, so profit, not what it does, not the losses, which is pretty which is pretty cool for me. Uh, so say say I make a hundred million bucks, which would be pretty nice. Uh, I get I'm going to get twenty. All right, but they're not satisfied with that. It's not just like because out of that hundred million I made, probably some of that is long term versus short term. Now the, the tax rate on the long term is obviously lower than it is on the short term. So what carry interest means it has nothing to do with interest. 
it means that I get the same ratio in my bonus of if it was eight, it was 50% long-term, 50% short-term. I get to take 50% of my $20 million bonus as a long-term capital gain. And it's, it, it, it is so contrived, it's crazy. But I don't even know, Mike, how many people in the world do you think even know that? But, but it, it, there's been attempts by people to get rid of this for, what, four decades, Carl? And every single time at the end, and it, and it's it never good. quite makes it. Yeah, and it's a total scam. A total scam. I, you know, it's. I mean, it, it. I'm sorry, but if you're if you're running other people's money and you're working, that's W two income. Sure, it that's is. ordinary income. Not a doubt. There's and, no doubt. And and, and and that you get to take capital gains treatment for something that isn't your capital gain. It's somebody else's capital gain. Uh, no, that's. I mean, but that's how it's been structured forever. Well, that's right. We, and, and 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 those people have power, and somehow they always manage to find. You know, somebody who uh, has some problem, and they give them a bunch of money, and, and it never quite made. It's always close. This time it was right. what one vote, and but I, I just I, I was stunned. I I would have immediately thought it would be, you know, the senator from uh, you know New York or Washington or maybe even Illinois, but Arizona. I mean, why not North Dakota? <laughs> why not Idaho? I mean, I mean it just but somehow they managed to find the soft underbelly and all this stuff. Um, we come back, Mike, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, give us a little critique of what you thought uh, uh, Lou was saying yesterday and what, what, what Carl's opinion to that because it's pretty horrifying that we do seem to go from short-term thing to short-term thing and we got some guys across the ocean that we can't we can't seem to stop wanting to trade with and give them money. Uh, and also want Carl's take of uh, this Evergrande now. They arrested all the guys from Evergrande yesterday. Everybody saw that, Carl. Was, I mean, what's going on over there? Are, are the Chinese in so much trouble that they that they might have to start something? I don't know, I hope not. SP futures now up twenty five. That's the highest I've seen. NASDAQ futures up one thirty. So far, being long is okay. We'll see. We'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howard. SP Futures up uh, 27. NASDAQ Futures up 131. Uh, we got these August personal income numbers coming up here. They must be good, although I'm not seeing them on TV yet. Uh, Dow futures are up 168. I don't see anything, everything on the page here, except for the VIX, is green. I haven't seen that in a while. We've been in a lot of red stuff lately. Over in Europe, we got a nice rally going on here. DAX up 158. That's 1.1%. Uh, FTSE up 53.7. CAC around up 80.1.1. Uh, in Asia, we got uh, Nikkei actually down 14, uh, which is kind of weird. We have the Hang Seng, however, up 436, 2.5%, trying to get back to 18,000, 17,809. Shanghai was close for whatever reason. 
Uh, yesterday, Dow was up 116, S&P up 25, NASDAQ up 108, so we had a good day yesterday. Uh, bonds down five basis points. They touched the 15-year high yesterday. We were over, we think we were over 4.6. Uh, Bund down 12 basis points, 2.84. That's a big move. Japan up one though, 0.77. Oil. Uh, we've got some dollar movement today. Oil's up buck 26, 92.97. Brent up 76 cents, 96.14. Natural gas down three cents. Our Bob up a penny, 2.52. And maybe we'll get Carl to opine about why uh, oil is way the hell up here, but our Bob is not. Uh, gold, a little bit of a bounce, but still under 1900, up 770, 1886. Silver, big movement silver, up 57 cents, 2331. I think we're along some silver, that'd be good. A copper up 5 cents, 376. We have Bitcoin down 112 now, 26,977. And the cause of a lot of this is the dollar has turned around, it's actually down a little bit today. Euro's almost back up to 106. And the pound is at 122. A lot of stuff there, Greg. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. 7.33 here in Chicago. 63 today, or 63 now. 72 today, foggy and sunny. Phoenix, we've got 76 degrees right now. About 103 today, hot, plenty of sun. Both uh, both cities have poor air quality, so watch out for that. Kennedy, Montrose, to the interchange, 34 minutes. Edens, Lake Cook uh, Inn is 51 minutes. Ike, from Wolf to the interchange, 32 minutes. The Ryan, 95th. In is 22 minutes, and then Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is 34 minutes. White Sox win at home against the Diamondbacks, that's 3-1. Cubs lose at the Braves, 3-5. And in the NFL, we had Detroit beating Green Bay, 34-20. So I've got Chief, back to you. Uh, Mike, if you wouldn't mind, give us a, a two-minute uh, critique of what Lou was saying yesterday in terms of readiness and... Uh, and things on the military and how much more are we going to have to spend there just to catch up. And then when I want to talk to Carl about these personal income numbers. Carl, you know, you, you've, uh, you, get, you get everything for us, but you have failed miserably in trying to find out what in God's name is in this PCE because these guys are only up 3.9% from last year. What, are, they, are they talking about the, the planet Pluto or, or here? No, I think what they're talking about is so many bong hits they had last week. I, it, it, there is... The problem with so much of this stuff is that it is a black box and knobs get twisted based upon whatever anybody wants. And I, I, one, of the, one of the things that, it's, it's the reason that 20 years ago I, I stopped using the monthly BLS data and just went off the unadjusted annualized numbers because they're harder to the game. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, there's a point what makes me a good programmer uh, and and the data analyst and what allowed me to analyze a lot of the stuff that went on over the last three years with the with the crazy is that I can look at a data set and I and I can see when there's something wrong with it I mean I know what it is but I just look at it and it, the, the pattern isn't right that's that's the best way to describe it I can just I can see that it's not correct and then, then of course, if I care, I go try to figure out what's going on. So that's uh, uh, sort of the equivalent of Scotty telling Spock the ship just doesn't feel right. Yeah, it's it's the you know it's the, if if you own a car and you really kind of zen with it and you know you're going down the road one day and you, you know I can feel something in the steering wheel. Okay, it's 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 not right. I don't know what it is, but there's something in the steering. You know, there's something there's something not right in the front end. Yep. And then you go look for it. You figure out what's going on. But I, I'm very good at doing that. And 
it's it helps tremendously when you're writing software trying to debug stuff because you know everything in, in that a computer does is basically manipulating data one way or another well Carl I want your yeah. comments on uh, what I'm going to ask Mike uh, Mike the stuff that Lou was talking about yesterday in, in, in preparation for maybe something two three four ten whatever uh, a, a larger conflict than we've had in a while with China which seems like is in the back of their mind over there because you've talked a lot and uh, Lou's been kind of silent about it is the the Rumsfeld just-in-time inventory stuff and uh, I'm sure Carl's got some opinions on this how do how do you match up uh, trying to do some sort of a plan together to be at least capable of staying even with China as they move forward with a just-in-time inventory. Are they totally incompatible, or how, how does that work? I think they are incompatible, Tom. The um, And, you know, there could be a long-term... Well, number one, I agree with almost all of what Lou said, and I cannot tell you what I don't agree with. So, but, you know, the Chinese, you know, think long-term. I think by their contributing to you know, Russia to continue the war, they deplete by doing that, the Chinese end up depleting our war stocks and and we already have depleted a lot of our war stocks. I mean, you know, we've had to dip into the cluster bombs and so that we've, you know, to me that says that we've essentially used up all of our conventional artillery shells, so now we're going into something else. So and then and now uh, the Chinese have North Korea contributing artillery to Russia, so they they deplete our war stocks and then they can do something where they want to do it. And you know, obviously, it could be Taiwan, it could be in the South Pacific, but it'll be somewhere in what the Chinese consider their sphere of influence. So. We just, uh, you know, I agree with our decision to support Ukraine because why should we use American troops to fight the Russians when we have Ukrainian troops to do it? Now, that's a cynical view, but unfortunately that's true. But I do not like what we are doing by depleting our war stocks. We need to go into full-blown, probably military production similar to what we did during World War II or prior to World War II with Lend-Lease and all the other decisions that Roosevelt made. But no one's willing to do that, and can America afford to do that? So We don't have, we don't have the money, Michael. Yeah, I agree with you, Carl. And, and you know what? It, and it's because we squandered it, handing it out to people who came here illegally, do not have a set of skills. Uh, there are there are tens of millions of people. It's three million in the last couple of years alone. Okay, uh, all of these cities, you know, Chicago being one of them. Oh, we're a sanctuary. It's all political theater. As soon as they actually have to fork up the cash, oh my God, we're broke. Well, I'm not gonna. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't want to get into a full, I mean, full board debate about. You. But I'm saying, in terms of, in terms of money, Carl. I mean. You more than anyone is is never blinded by the numbers. I mean, we've talked on the show in terms of. Uh, I mean, I've <laughs> I've railed about the people in Illinois. There's what? What was the number? Two hundred and twenty. I'll dig it off for sure. It's two hundred and some thousand businesses 
got PPP money. Right. An awful lot of people got checks, okay. Uh, all that together, as much of the waste there was in some of the PPP and everything, and people in the fraud and everything, was only like 25 or 30% of the entire amount of money that was a portion. Now, some of that money never was spent and went back, to be fair. But the big big places got billions and billions apiece. I mean, we're talking about United Airlines. You know, they got all this money for people. They, they had people retire. People got bonuses and raises in the top spot. The, the amount of money we piss away on the right people here, it, it, it's incredibly... We 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 could we could take the entire country of Venezuela and we wouldn't we wouldn't spend that much on those people. I mean, I don't I, I, I don't agree with what we're doing. I'm, I'm with you on that, so I don't I don't want to argue about that. But I mean, Chief, in terms of money, we, we 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 give money to the right people here. Uh, it, but I, it, it sums that people like you and me and Mike can't even understand. I mean, I, I honestly Chief, believe that. Chief, Chief, what you have to, yeah, but what, <laughs> but but money is fungible. Okay. Yeah. If you give it to all those all those so-called right people, you know the so-called politically connected ones, whether you give it to them or you give it to somebody else, the the point is you gave it without something being done in return. Right. Without there being work done in return for the funds. Exactly right. And because and because you do that, and it doesn't matter who you give it to, it is extraordinary in extraordinarily inflationary and it screws every single person in the country except them and except them except well yeah because they got it right but here's the thing you can say well you know we we had all this ppp money a huge amount of it was a scam whether it was a scam or not we shouldn't have done any of it okay that was stupid the correct thing to do and and i pointed this out at the time the correct thing to do was literally to throw keggers for young people, people under the age of 40, pay for some kegs of beer and get all of them infected. Why? Because it's a respiratory virus, and that's how you slow the spread down. The people who are not going to get hurt. Once we knew that there was a huge stratification in risk, and we knew that within the first couple of months, that there, that, you know, I mean, wildly more than chickenpox. Chickenpox, we used to do this with chickenpox before oh, yeah. there was a vaccine for it. Okay, I was deliberately given chicken pox by, you know, my mother took me over to the next door neighbor's place across the street because, you know, Matt felt like crap. And, and guess who got it next, right? And there were like 10 of us over there. We're all playing over. See, where, where I grew up, you didn't have to do that with 40 kids in a class. It traveled pretty quick. <laughs> well, it, yeah, this, this was in the summer, and, and yeah. which, is, which is better from a standpoint of you don't miss a week of school, right? But the, but the thing is, is that this this was a time honored known strategy because chickenpox is 25 times more dangerous if you get it when you're an adult and so if you're going to take the risk it's some kind of risk you do it when it is most advantageous to you and that and that's how we manage this problem and yes every now and then some kid got whacked by it that's really sad it's terrible when it happens however in almost every case, that's not what happened. You felt like crap for a week, and then you were fine. All right. Well, well the, the same uh, thing could have been. I read just as, a, and, as an anecdote when we were going through this, Carl. I, of course, had nothing to do on Saturday morning. It was raining. Mike, I do this weird stuff. Now, if you guys were around more often, I'd have something to do. i go watch a game with you guys and have more fun. But uh, I'm, I was looking at the, at the stuff that's the most contagious. I think I'm pretty sure it's a while ago. The most contagious thing around is measles. 
That Correct. Measles, measles has the. They don't even know what the actual R naught is for it. It's so high they they haven't been able to measure. If you it. if you, Mike, if you walk into an empty subway car, stand there for about two minutes and walk out the door on the other side, like an hour later, somebody can walk in there and catch it. It's it's incredible. Just it hangs in the air and doesn't go away. Right, Carl? It's unbelievable. Well, it's it's, well, let's, it's just the, the number the number of firearms that are necessary to get you with measles is is extremely small, and it uh, if, if you're susceptible and there's somebody in the you know in the same airspace with you that has it, um, you, <laughs> you're next. Mike, Mike, wasn't uh, measles one of the biggest killers in the uh, army camps in the Civil War? Tom, I don't know about that. But it, you know, it probably was. Measles is a very, you know, contagious, it's powerful, you know, and that's why we have the, you know, the vaccine for all four of those things. But then the other, let's talk about about the, you know, the political use of the strategic petroleum reserve, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Once once again, you know, politicians short-sighted oh i need votes and the student loan program also you know this buying of votes is just uh to me it's uh well well it's more than controversial it's just it's just blatant uh vote buying and i just really disagree with the direction of the country. We are a much better country than this, but we have elites, uh, you know, uh, true or not, uh, they're driving their agenda by buying votes. And I yep. really disagree with that. Well, it's a, well, you remember uh, we had, this is before the last election, we had Karen Reeves on a couple times. And I, I met her, I went to one of her, her uh, you know, fundraisers, and it was really, taken with the lady because she in my mind she was really really special I mean and well, the fact that she adopted a blind kid and all those kinds of things and uh, and she was worked for one of these places that uh, found people jobs but it wasn't just give money to the place the idea was that the person comes out of this thing with a job so they never have to come back right. you know it was all those kind of things and uh, so she was running for uh, Bobby Rush's spot and uh and uh, that's the Jesse Jackson's kid ended up with a big chunk of money from uh, the guy who's, uh, what's his name? Uh, FDC. What's the guy's name, Greg, uh, with the three names? The guy who just got uh, boring, what the hell's the guy's name? Sam uh, something, something? The, uh, Sam Bankman. Oh, the yeah, crypto guy. Yeah, the crypto guy. Friedman. Well, Sam, Sam Bankman Friedman yeah, or whatever. Yeah, so she's, she's out in the air and she goes, when my grandmother used to go vote, this is how far back this goes, she goes, they they'd come get her, they drive her to the polling place, and they'd give her a turkey and a pair of pantyhose. I I, I never dreamed how the pantyhose got in there. I I go, Karen, you gotta be kidding me. She goes, No, you got a turkey and a pair of pantyhose. That was the that was the payment. That was the bribe. <laughs> that, was, that was the bribe. <laughs> so but it's not like people people have changed much, Mike. You, um you, Mike, just had a technical question. Carl, do you believe anything they say about the strategic petroleum? Is right. I've heard they got stuff in places where it'll take them months to get it out of them. I mean, it's, it, is is there? A, could we tap one tomorrow and it's all piped to go to the right refinery? I mean, I find that real hard to believe. Well, well, no, and that's and there's all sorts of problems with. I mean, 
the SPR was put in place after the Arab oil embargo. Right. And and it was it was intended to make sure that we would not end up in the situation that Germany ended up in in World War Two. Okay. Germany solved the problem. The reason they were able to fight World War II was that they they figured out that you can convert coal into sin fuel. It's actually not very hard to do. There's there's a uh, in South Africa, SAS oil I think is still doing it. They were ten years ago. I think they still are, uh, simply because it's the most economical way to get gasoline diesel fuel in that particular part of the world. Uh, and and there are some interesting aspects of that I've written at some length about as to how we could permanently solve. Uh, our access issues with regards to those fuels. Uh, nobody wants to talk about doing it because, uh, well, you know, there's a whole infrastructure and politically more than anything else are built around the current uh, way that we, you know, we drill and refine and everything else. Um, okay, well, well but first, the, just for a second, you, you, this is intriguing. I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. which I do all the time because whenever you talk, you bring up like three more questions that I just... South Africa... Yeah, I know. But, but, but South Africa... They because of apartheid, nobody gave them oil for what twenty five years. So they had they well, had, uh, right. That was part of it, but they also have they have a substantial coal reserve. Right. So they 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 actually for a long period because I used to see those guys at at some of these big shows where they were they were asking you to invest right. and uh, they 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 became maybe after the Germans probably the single biggest uh, coal technicians and what you could do with coal. My question is if we took like. For those that don't know, the single biggest depositor of coal in the world is the state of Illinois, right? But it's high sulfur yep. coal. But now, if, if you were to try and make oil or diesel out of that, what's the byproduct? I mean, it was the byproduct horrible? There's got to be something left, and what's the something? And what, and what happens oh, to all no, the sulfur? No, no, it, no, it actually, it's the, the nice, that's the whole thing, is that the whole, you know, gasoline, diesel fuel, do, do, all of these, they're hydrocarbons. That's all they are, okay? Coal is just carbon. What do you do with so, all the sulfur? What do you do with all the sulfur? Well, the sulfur, well, the sulfur comes out of the, of the mixture, so you end up with sulfur as a as you know as a byproduct. But sulfur is quite useful as an industrial chemical. It's, it's used in an awful lot of stuff. So you're saying we actually could, if we had any brains, we actually could do something like that in the state of Illinois if, if somebody were to put up the capital. Well, yeah, the the challenge. The challenge is that you have to use energy, of course, to you know to process it. Okay, I mean that's the you know that's the rub, and in burning some of the coal is one of the ways you can do that. Uh, but the 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 path that I think we should have followed 40 years ago, uh, that would have made us completely energy independent for 500 years, uh, is to use uh, liquid molten salt uh, thorium-based nuclear reactors as the energy source and the reason is that because of the fact that they use a liquid salt as a coolant uh, they run at a temperature that happens to be compatible with doing this process directly and then use the heat that remains after that to make it you know to make electricity like you would with any other reactor uh, and therefore you you essentially get two for one out of that and the other nice thing about it is that the coal has thorium in it which is you don't want to burn coal that has thorium in it uh, because that is the reason that burning coal causes lung cancer because thorium is an alpha emitter and so when that gets into the atmosphere if you inhale it then that's that's the mechanism by which burning coal causes lung cancer so if you extract the thorium first which you can do and use it as a nuclear fuel 
you get a twofer out of the deal. You get rid of the lung cancer problem from, from the coal, and at the same time, you get the energy from the nuclear reaction. And, and by the way, there's 13 times as much energy available in the thorium as you get from burning the coal. So this works from a, you know, this is not a net loss. This is a net win in a big way. Uh, but it is, it is a set of technologies. We know how to do this. We proved that the basic underlying nuclear technology works at ORNL in the 1960s. We ran a reactor down there for, for years. Um, it, it has no compatibility with nuclear weapons production, which is probably why it was shelved and never gone any further. Um, um, Mike, and but, your experience you know, in Washington, how, how does something like this get off the, the drawing board and up, up the chain? Does it start with Stafford's? Stafford wouldn't even understand what the hell Carl just said. I, well, I think it might start with the staffers, Tom, and I think some of our, uh, I think it could, and I I don't want to read anything into what Carl has said, but it could be dark money, too, that, you know, the oil and gas industry, it's, you I know, know if it you wasn't know, in there. China's doing that right now. Best interest to, uh, to, to, to produce or to... Uh, have nuclear reactors, so we just didn't do it. And we probably ought to go back to nuclear reactors. It, to me, it's ironic. The Germans are, had closed nuclear reactors, and now they're reopening them because of the uh, because of the Russians and their manipulation of oil. So we, we just have to think more long-term, and unfortunately, our politicians do not think long-term. So. By the way, real quick, uh, Diane Feinstein just died. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, that's yeah. I just saw that come across the screen as I was uh, sitting here listening. She to was one of the ones that was always on those kind of double secret committees. Uh, uh, Greg was just well, saying she was one that you know. She for the last six months she hasn't actually cast a, a, a. She herself personally has not actually cast a vote. Now she has because she has to push the button, right? But she literally has had staffers saying push push that button. Yeah, push that button. Yeah, it's a okay. Now, I mean, if you want to talk about something screwed up, you got somebody who's so far gone that they literally don't know what they're doing. They are not the actual agent. They're the person that was elected, but they're not the one that's actually acting as you know as, as they choose. Somebody else in their office is doing yeah. that. Well, who's the guy? Uh, Michael, know this. By, by the way, is that going on with is that going on with Biden right now? Oh, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. <laughs> you know, Carl, that's a very good question. Well, it went on with Reagan his last two years, right? Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Went on with yeah. Woodrow Wilson for the last four, right? I, I I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a it's a new unique thing. Who's the, who's the guy? Uh, who's who's the guy? He, he was always Mike's hero. Uh, the dude who was uh, a Southern senator. That he was like Strom Thurmond, you mean, Tom? Yeah, because yeah, he, he what he was seventy and he married the baby was like twenty five, and she like thought she was there for like a year or two and ended up with what like, three kids with the guy or something. And the guy made it well, to like <laughs> ninety five or something. Yes, he he Strom was. Strom uh, Thurmond was. Yeah, was he? he went through quite a few wives, I think. But it, how old? But he was mid nineties, wasn't he? Or I, he was. He yes, he was. And he didn't. Uh, he never left the Senate. I don't think did he. 
No, I don't think so. But, you, you know, Carl, <laughs> once again, brought up a good point. You know, Feinstein should not have been in office. And the fact that she died now, now Gavin Newsom can appoint another Democrat to the Senate. So but what's, what's her know, term, though? What's her term? Well, her well, term they, is six they, years. I know, but she's, when, did, when, when was she last elected, I guess, my question. Oh, I have no idea. I don't think she was. I don't, remember, I don't think she was yeah, last time. No, I don't remember what the what cycle she's in. Um, but I mean, the appointment is you know is until the next election, and, and obviously it'll, it doesn't change the balance of power because you know Newsom's a Democrat, so he'll appoint a Democrat. But now you can't if somebody uh, croaks in the House, you have to have a special election. You can't appoint a House guy, right? That's correct. Because uh, that's the the people's house. So even if there's, what what's the. Uh, What's the time frame where, you know... What kind of message does this send when you can't even retire or give up power when you're clearly disabled and about to die? I mean... I, I could really? see it if you were really? in a state where the the, the guy was going to put somebody in of a different party you'd hang in I there mean, as long exactly. as you can. But in California, what's the point? I don't, I don't get exactly. it. Exactly. That's terrible. Yeah, I don't know. It's nuts. It, what's, what's the... You guys happen to know the... Uh, can't even if, give it up. If a, if a house person croaks with like six months left do you, what do you have an election for six months there must be some cutoff there or do you um i think there i think there is i don't you know it was uh, there it, it gets kind of I, I don't know the exact rules on how this works um but you know when i when i was in florida um miller got his seat in a special election uh, and then, and then, of course, you know, was reelected, reelected, reelected. Well, I happened to live in a district that was, uh, you know, you couldn't find a Democrat uh, <laughs> you swung a baseball bat. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of those deals. And so, you know, now you got Matt Gates in there, uh, in that in that district, and uh, he is essentially the, the only way you will ever get him out of office is to primary him. Because the, the Democrats have exactly no possibility of being able to eject him by running a Democrat candidate. Okay. Well, I mean, it's um, one of the ladies, uh, I think she just retired. The difference, I mean, Kevin's always always talks about politics in, in Michigan and how you actually can get people in and out of there. And you talk to people at the grocery store, they have to be like regular people. I just was at, uh, one of these days I'm going to talk to my guys that come here from out of town, uh, and uh, we go to the, the, the well. They go to the, the Notre Dame games of getting maybe a house in in uh, Portage or someplace. But if we did, there's a lot of people there that I know. And one of them is this lady. I don't know her very well, but she's was a senator in Indiana like forever, and she's brightest. I don't I don't even know what party she is. I don't even care. I would just vote for it. I mean, she she absolutely learned in the process. Last time she was telling me how she went from uh, the the committee on on health care and took her two years to figure out where all the money was going there and once she did then they moved her to transportation and she goes it took her another year to figure out who had all the road contracts and why you talking to her is just a delightful thing she's not rich she's not anything she's just a pleasant person and you wonder are, there's got to be people like that in congress or at least go there like that i don't know what happens to them well, they go to, yeah i was going to say they may go there like that but if they if they try to stay there like that they end up with no committee assignments and they serve one term and get and get primaried and lose and uh in fact uh back around the time of the crash i supported and, and was working with a gentleman by the name of benifolio out of michigan 
And the only reason I had anything to do with this guy was I liked what he stood for. He wasn't in my district, I, I, you know, so I couldn't vote for him. Um, now, wait a minute. If you're you in know, Chicago, you'd have found a way. Well, yeah, but, you know, but I wasn't. I was living in Florida at the time. We, we actually believed that you could only vote your own district. Yeah, it's so, it, it's so remedial like yeah. that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely medieval, I tell you, medieval. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but uh, yeah, he, he, one of the things that, I mean, the, the level of, of crazy and corruption that goes on in, that, in, in D.C. is unbelievable. One of the things that he wanted to do was to have his own communication system for his staff and for himself, uh, you know, email based and whatever have you. And I was I was going to go out there, get in my car, drive up there, set up for him, pro bono, no charge, because um, I know I do this kind of thing, completely secure, nobody's breaking into it, and uh, you know, have fun, guys. I mean, if you get subpoenaed, you get subpoenaed. We, you know, we, <laughs> you deal with that, right? I mean, that's the way it works. Uh, but short of that, nope. This is this is my stuff. And the when he showed up at the orientation, he was told by the leadership, by the Republican leadership, that he had to turn over all of his personal electronic devices, use only ones issued by the party, and if he did anything else, he would get no committee assignments. That's cool. Yeah. So so basically, you know, he, he got a hold of me and said, you know, gee, you know, thanks for the offer, but <laughs> Yeah. And and I was and I was like, You gotta be kidding me. And and he says, No, that's that is the the, the Republican Party's rules. That's incredible. We got a dash, guys. Mike, thank you for uh you contributed good stuff. We tied everything together. Um Carl, you, you sounded great out of the bottom of the van Grand Canyon. How the hell how do you, what are you coming through? Well, you know, uh, technology is just wonderful. I'm pretty good at this stuff. Oh, God, it appears you are. SP Futures up 30. We're at the high point here so far. SP Futures up 143. So if you're long today, you're smoking a cigar this morning early anyway. Back on Monday, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.